Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 103. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to finish out Next Gen's sixth season with the episodes Timescape and Descent Part 1. Here we go. Timescape, Season 6, Episode 25, Production Number 251, Original Air Date, June 14, 1993, Directed by Adam Nimoy, Written by Brandon Braga, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include Michael Boffshiver as Male Alien, John Demita as Roman, and Joel Fredericks as Engineer. While Riker and the Enterprise respond to a Romulan ship's distress call, Picard, Troy, Geordi, and Data are traveling back from a Starfleet seminar, when suddenly, while in conversation, everyone except Troy freezes in mid-motion. Seconds later, things return to normal. Baffled, Troy attempts to describe the experience to the others when she inexplicably becomes frozen in time herself. Who are you? This body is not like... It was necessary to assume it, to exist in your time. Why are you here? We had to come to save them. They were in danger. Who were in danger? We're young. Boy, this was a always been a memorable episode. Um, Steve, why don't you start us on uh, Timescape? Yeah, I certainly recalled this episode. I find it like kind of uh, bizarre in a way, you know. It, it has the opening with them on the shuttlecraft, and they're doing like impersonations and stuff, which <laughs> seems very strange. And then, um, you know, you have uh, the whole bizarre thing with uh, Picard with the face and the in the cloud. And uh, you know, I mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting. It's certainly memorable, and all the effects are are fun. You know, this whole backward and forward and trying to figure out the mystery of what's going on. But it, but there are a lot of kind of strange elements to this episode yeah it's um it's a it's it's a weird one mm-hmm. and i think they were trying to make a weird one mm-hmm. um this is one of those those episodes where uh even if you if you didn't know you would know oh brandon Brogger wrote this <laughs> you know yeah yeah um adam what are what are your first thoughts on this episode um i liked it um, it's kind of sim- to me. It's kind of similar to I believe it was in the last season where Jordy and um, Ensign Rowe were kind of like you know they you know it's a Rom- I think the similarity is it's yeah. Romulans. They're having to go back and forth between ships and you know find out the mystery. So it's kind of similar to that episode. But I think I like this one a little bit more. Just kind of a couple of things that Steve said. It's it's a little bit more interesting. You know, you have all this time stoppage and forwarding up. Well, obviously there's some. There's some memorable moments, like Steve said, with the impersonations and the happy face. So it's it's a little lighthearted at times, but um, I enjoyed the the mystery and you know kind of getting to the bottom. You know they had to clue think put things together piece by piece. You know, I I like uh, we got on the on the runabout unusual by the way. I don't remember a lot of runabouts in Next Gen. That's mm-hmm. a DS9 thing, right? Uh, who else do we have in the runabout? We got um, Picard, uh, Data. Troy and Jordy, mm-hmm. and that's a very, that's an interesting foursome. You know, yeah. I don't know how often we've had that, and I like it, and I like how it gives them a chance, gives Braga a chance, you know, to kind of mix it up. So we have three of them go to the Enterprise, and then a different three, you know, go to the Romulan ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, there were a lot of things about that that I like. Um, story-wise, it sure is 
yeah, it, it is pretty weird. You know, it's like I was wondering well, if it would if it would feel dated or if you know because at the time like some of the stuff was really freaky, but in a weird way it doesn't feel dated, but it doesn't feel contemporary. I think it was just weird from mm-hmm. then to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of there's a lot of misdirection in this episode, especially when they get to the Enterprise. You know, they see you know it looks like Riker is being attacked by Romulan. You know, there's fire. You know, the the Enterprise is being fired upon, and then you have like the weird counterbalance, like there's Romulans being born to beamed aboard without weapons or anything. So I like kind of like the confusion that you go through as a viewer, just as the the um, you know Ricard and the others are going through this. Like what what's going on here? It doesn't nothing really seems to make sense. Yeah, yeah, that is, is kind of neat. Um, hmm. Yeah, I always remember that moment of seeing um, Riker and it's down there. And, and the second time you watch it, you know, you, you do see it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember really noticing it in standard def. I don't, I don't see why it would make a big difference seeing it in high def, but I sure could see um, people moving around when they were just <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I don't like that. I just didn't really notice. Maybe. I don't recall in the past if I noticed it more or not. I mean, I, I figured they were just freezing and they just didn't keep the camera on people very long or something. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, it looked like Michael Doran was smiling there when a little bit of a, 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 a kind of the, not just a tiny little smile when he's sitting there frozen when he's in the transporter room. I love the moments. So you talked about the way it opens. They're doing their impersonations and things. And I mean, even before that, remember we've got the sequence with um, uh, Riker getting treated oh, in yeah. six bay for spot attacking him. Mm-hmm. He had a spot attack. <laughs> um, I actually kind of I like a lot of those those just normal personal kind of moments. I like seeing them, the the four of them, then just talking about this boring conference. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you, Brian. Yeah, I often talk about how I like some of the more mundane things, just because of the way that I love Star Trek. You know, is that I want to kind of live in that world, and and sometimes that makes it more real for me. Um, but it, it also does a cool job of, and, and you know, maybe it goes on a little long. Maybe uh, the impressions are a little bit weird, especially like Picard. It's <laughs> just weird to see Picard doing that. Um, yeah, that I'd probably agree with you if you say that, but. One other cool effect that that has is that when you have that moment where the three of them freeze and Troy's looking at them, you know, like Jordy, I think, is in mid-speech, and they freeze. It's it's freaky. It yeah. really is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when Troy does it later, it's even more freaky. And I think that that's a cool kind of moment that's, that's – that's, uh, created from the editing so that's kind of cool you know because earlier we we were all both times we got troy's pov right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know the first time it was when she did not go to sleep or sleep huh? she did not freeze and everybody else did but we kept her pov you know but it's not like it's a literal pov shot it's just i i don't mean that i don't mean mm-hmm. like a first person shot i just mean yeah. yeah we're getting her perspective and then later same thing except this time she's the frozen one you know, mm-hmm. so we just jump that time, and that's 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 a cool effect, and that's even more freaky. The freakiest thing in the whole episode, though. Oh God, it gets me every time. Is Picard's old long fingernails? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Howard Hughes on his deathbed or something. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> it freaks me out. Um, well, it's, kind of also, it's It's been so long since I've seen this episode. I didn't quite remember that it was aliens that were involved in this. And yeah. so, yeah, there was. A, it's been a long time since I've seen this episode. So I'm it's not kind sure of that, like, that the you know explanation and all that. You know, the last half is as is as interesting as the mystery. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that the last half is as good as the first half. That seems like a fairly frequent refrain for us. Um, but it's still good, you know. Uh, it's it's cool when they're on that Romulan ship and it's still everything's frozen. And for the first time, he opens that up and he opens up their, not whatever their little singularity box, <laughs> right. and you actually see motion and something going on in there. I mean, that's kind of neat. Um, but overall, I don't I don't feel like it holds up quite as well in the last half as the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just and that these these beings are I don't understand like. They're taking the form of the Romulans, and then one of them tries to stop Data, even though he's trying to stop the. I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't the logic escapes. It gets kind of wrapped up quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, the you know you kind of said the second. It's really more like the last fourth of the episode, and we don't really kind of get all that. So I mean, it didn't didn't ruin it for me that much. They just kind of wrap it up quick, yeah. and that was our yeah. explanation. But it didn't definitely didn't. I see what you're saying, but it didn't ruin the episode for me. It's cool seeing. Um, that little fast forward rewind thing mm-hmm. uh, when it when data's tricorder causes time to sp- speed up go forward and we see the enterprise destroyed but that'd been kind of weird if he'd been if they'd been on the uh, enterprise because <laughs> <laughs> like they would have been conscious in yeah. the i don't know how the, how would that have worked <laughs> yeah yeah what would have happened would they have died that's why they didn't do it <laughs> it's too confusing <laughs> Confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, Picard's putting the smiley face in the the cloud from the warp core breach. That's a that's a cool moment too. I mean, prior to that, but I always remember Picard doing that. I never remember that it's from this episode ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess because that's the only time you know he's having he's going nutty because of you know whatever weird effect. Uh, so the rest of the episode doesn't have that, so that's I guess why I don't associate that yeah. with this episode. But, but I love I love Data's little description about the warp core breach. You know, um, the explosion has already occurred. The fact that it's, you know, progressing slowly super slowly uh, is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of um, what's your favorite scene in this episode? It's just chock full of stuff from beginning to end. You know, we talk about those first few minutes or. Just a lot of almost mundane kind of conversations and things, uh, but then once it starts, it doesn't stop. All these plot, 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 plot things all the way until the end. It's hmm. your favorite scene. Well, for me, I, I think I'm like you. I kind of enjoyed the, I mean, just kind of the mundane stuff. Them just kind of talking about just normal everyday stuff. It's just kind of a simple normal scene. Um, I, I kind of I enjoy that stuff too. It made me think, you know, I, I know neither of you two kind of like Picard's. Um, impersonation but i kind of thought it was funny you'd never you would never seen picard do that in at least the first two or three seasons um no you're right yeah. out of character so this kind of shows how far he's come and kind of how how he's comfortable with with the people around him and kind of more comfortable with himself but yeah i mean the, the, it's kind of hard to pinpoint anything you know once the action gets going it's just you know it's kind of non-stop i mean there's no like moments where you can you know 
sit down and have character developments. It's more fast paced and action packed. I, I do like the end scene. They have that little mo- the moment at the end with Riker and Data, where Data's trying to perceive time in different ways. I like that little moment too. It's kind of mundane. As it's kind of comes full circle. It's kind of like a mundane conversation that they're having just be- between friends. It didn't. It really didn't have anything to do with the episode, but I kind of enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if I could pinpoint a, a, a absolute favorite. I think the the sequence that I remember most as being fun and interesting is the whole, as we talked about, the reversing and then speeding back up business as far as that goes. But yeah, some of the just exchanges and stuff are also memorable. Um, I always did remember that ending with him. The you know a, a watched pot never boils and his expression and all that. And that's fun. So. <clears throat> Uh, as far as things that, that don't work, it's what we were talking about earlier, like the second half, the actual explanation of the mystery. Yeah. Is it is it that it doesn't work, or that it's just not very interesting? It just, it, they just don't really go into it that much. There's not a lot of development there. They're just kind of like, okay, here's some aliens, and this is what caused it, and then the episode's over. It's just kind of really fast. That's kind of how I took it. Yeah, it's one of those explanations that kind of just feels like someone's got to make an explanation for something you know it's it's okay we made an interesting kind of scenario here and now okay how's it going to logically play out and they come up with something that's a bit convoluted you know it's like okay i'll i, I guess you know but it doesn't it make sense you know in a but word. it doesn't it's not you know it doesn't help you appreciate anything or it's not a revelation or anything you know is this episode about anything uh, you know, I mean, I, I kind of pondered that, and I don't know. They they may have been going off after a little bit of the, uh, you know, um, things are not what they seem, you know, because we already alluded to what you thought was the scenario in a lot of situations wasn't, and so there's a little bit of teamwork going on, and who's the bad guy, who's not. Um, but I don't know. I think most of it's just kind of a an action-y, time-freaky romp thing, you know, so. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean just because it doesn't have a, like a clear what it's about. I mean, I know that's what we talk about in this, in this the show that we do, but I enjoy the moments in this episode that you get to see between the characters. I mean, it's slow paced at times in the beginning and the end, but in the middle, you just, it's, 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 it's kind of really good to see those four. They were all together. The chemistry that, that, they, that came out in that episode between the four of them, you know, and it was just the four of them. And, you know, usually you have all the other characters have their own little storyline, but, in this episode, it just seemed to be the four of them. This is one of the few times... um, I wonder how different it would have been if, you know, if uh, money was no object or if they could have done anything in effects. You know? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. They were obviously not just limited by the the effects capabilities of the early 90s. Um, But they were also... You know, drastically limited by uh, the budget of a mm-hmm. weekly television show, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, when they're writing, I don't think they, I don't think they think the sky's the limit and we'll cut it and change it later. I think they do kind of write to what is possible. And anyway, I, I think that this this could have been not just some of those scenes would have been more fun, but maybe the whole thing could have been kind of different if it didn't have to be. Um, if it didn't have to have such an explanation, mm-hmm. if it didn't have to have such dialogue to conclude everything, right? I yeah, know, I can see that. Yeah. I, I, I guess I mentioned this only because I mean, you could you could say this after any episode, 
yeah. certainly of 60s, 80s, and 90s television. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But I don't usually think it. You know, I, I usually do not think that. Um, but this time I did. Um, so I like this episode. I do. Um, I could watch that first half quite a bit. You know, it's funny. We, how many times do we see it? a group or a one P person or something, they're always coming back from a conference <laughs> yeah. or, you know, they're, ne- no, <laughs> they're never, go, never go on vacation when you're on the enterprise. Just stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Always kidnapped. It's always something you know, bad. Always something bad. Troy gets kidnapped. How, how many, you know, Riker comes back with a weird game, you know, just don't leave the ship. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we are ready for, Six degrees for time escape. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Michael Boffshever plays the singularity alien that looks like a Romulan uh, that insists Geordi is working too hard and he should slow down a bit. In DS9's first season, he played Minister Turan, who insists Kira take what action with Mollybach on the moon Gerardo? What, what action should she take? Um, what should she do with Mollybuck? He is living on the moon at Gerardo. This is in the first season? Yes. Um, she should, um, join him and, or, I don't know, arrest him. I have no idea. Mm, no. Steve? Is that the one where she's supposed to, um, get him to move or evict him or something? Yes, that is correct. She's supposed to kick him off that moon. Uh, Steve, the last time we saw the Enterprise destroyed was also in a Brandon Braga episode that wreaked havoc with time back in the fifth season. Name the episode. Mm, is that the one cause and effect? You are correct. Steve's two for two. Moving on. Descent Part 1, Season 6, Episode 26, Production Number 252, Original Air Date, June 21st, 1993, Directed by Alexander Singer, Story by Jerry Taylor, Teleplay by Ronald D. Moore, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include John Neville as Isaac Newton, Jim Norton as Albert Einstein, Natalia Nogolich as Admiral Elena Necheyev, Brian Cousins as Krosis, and Stephen Hawking as himself. <laughs> Curious to see how three of history's greatest minds might interact in a unique setting, Data plays poker in the holodeck with computer-generated recreations of Professor Stephen Hawking, Albert Einstein, and Sir Isaac Newton. However, just after Hawking's wins a hand, the Enterprise goes to red alert in response to a distress call. When the Enterprise arrives, a menacing-looking alien vessel of an unknown design is found in orbit around the planet. Efforts to communicate with it yield nothing, so Riker, Worf, and Data transport to the surface, finding only dead bodies in the science station when suddenly they are ambushed by the Borg. When I was fighting the Borg, I felt angry. When I think back on the incident, I realize that I was also experiencing another sensation. It was not the same as anger, but I think it was an emotion. Descent Part 1. Uh, Adam, why don't you start us on uh, Descent Part 1? Um, start off, I like this episode. I still like it to this day, but for some reason, it just well, I know exactly why it didn't hold up for me as well as it has in the past, um, and I'll just get right into it. They're, they spend a lot of time with Data, 
and you know him exploring the emotion. He talks to Jordy and he talks to Deanna. Uh, you know, he does some of the recreations on the holodeck. And the reason I bring it up, they actually they spend a, a good portion of this episode kind of exploring that. And that particular portion of the episode, it's just kind of disappointing to me, especially starting up with Jordy. You know, they weren't really able to delve into much of a conversation. You know, Data would ask, like, well, what is mad? What does it mean? And Jordy really couldn't give him any kind of explanation what it is to be mad or angry or anything like that. And to me, I mean... Um, I don't know. I think they just had more of an opportunity there to kind of explore emotions and where they come from and what really causes them. They kind of just gloss over it. And like I said, I wouldn't have had a problem with it if they didn't like do two or three scenes of him trying to find out what was going on with it, with you know why he was angry. Yeah, there there's some moments. I, I think stuff like that can bother you, and and you notice it whenever there are moments in the show that feel like filler. There's, and this episode, when you think about it, not much happens in it. Mm-hmm. They go a lot of places, but not much happens, and that makes a lot of the scenes feel like filler. Uh, and when that happens, then stuff like, oh, if this is an episode about you know, these, him experiencing his own emotions, why don't they you know, explore that? You know? mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, that episode uh, earlier this season when he, you know, Birthright Part 1, where he he explores his dreams and stuff. That seemed uh, that was a thorough explanation or explanation exploration, you know. Um, but uh, here, I think it's ultimately going to have to be unfulfilling, right? Because it really isn't some actual evolution of his character. It's just a cheat, an electronic cheat that Laura is employing, right? Right. Yeah, I just yeah. kind of felt like they spent a lot of time on that. You know, they kind of set you up to think that, you know, Data's going to kind of, he's mm-hmm. going to have some sort of moment where epiphany, but, you know, we find out, in, you know, obviously in part two, it's lore. So I just kind of felt like they, they yeah, I kind of agree with you. They just, it just felt like a lot of filler. Like they didn't really kind of go into it and kind of delve into it and explore that why. But I guess they could, because they already knew that it was lore that was kind of, they kind of, put themselves in a corner they really couldn't explore that because it wasn't really real i guess you know there's several things that i've always remembered about this episode though um i think we all agree that we remember the uh, poker game at the beginning how cool mm-hmm. is it to have stephen hawking i'll yeah. have to look this up by the way only time in star trek i think uh that someone has played themselves hmm. um so always remember that of course that's a really fun sequence uh, I know this is going to sound dumb, but I always, always have remembered that the, all the titles are in the teaser. It's the only time they've ever done this in any Star Trek. That you guys didn't even notice. <laughs> it freaks me out. It freaks me out. It freaks me out every time. I always remember Descent Part One titles during the teaser. Um, I assume uh, yeah. the reason Odd. they did that. Yeah, it's really, really weird, and we assume the reason they did that is because of the big action sequence that's there. You know, the second you get back from the Oh, uh, main titles, you know. Right. Uh, but it is, it's just really, really, really blows my mind weird every time. Hmm. The other thing I always remember about this episode, <laughs> it's going to sound funny too, but near the end when you've got uh, Picard, Data, and Troy, and a... a red shirt crewman. Oh, wait, he's yeah. wearing yellow. A, a red shirt that's not wearing a red shirt. <laughs> so let's just call him a red shirt. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the few times they do that in Next Gen where it's yeah. like, I mean, it's like Picard, Data, not data. Who is it? It's Picard, 
Jordy and Troy. Jordy and Troy. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, and yeah. the Reg. And yeah. the Reg. Yeah. You're like, oh. <laughs> so, it doesn't even get a line. The whole no. Time. It's, it's just fun because Next Gen doesn't really ever do that. Right. Sure enough. There you go. <laughs> um, well, Steve, what do you what do you think? Did some of these things like uh, that Mr. Caesar is talking about, do they, do they disturb you as far as um, kind of the unrealized potential of the emotional storyline? Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, I can see that. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of these that it's from like a strictly a fan perspective, there's a lot of fun things. I mean, it's big and there's battles and there's the Borg and uh, you got uh, data stuff and, you know, uh, space battles and here come a whole lot of ships and et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, in, in the end, it feels like it's kind of just a big, expensive filling up time with random um, epic things, you know, because I, I don't I don't know if there's something else they could have done besides that. Part of it, I guess, is to do with like um, what's going on with data, and then they it just kind of like oh whatever they drop that because this is a big expensive episode, you know, with all the big sets and stuff. So um, I, I don't know if there's a better way to handle that if they're going to tell this story. But yeah, it does kind of feel like they're it's just it's just some excuse to get the Borg in, and we're going to have a, a big story and, and large sets and stuff like that, and a lot of special effects. You know, well, in a way, that's this episode has always felt a little bit like they they really, really would love to replicate the scope and feeling of Best of Both yeah. Worlds. They never do it. I don't think they ever pull it off mm-hmm. uh, in Next Gen. Maybe, maybe all good things, but I mean, that's a totally different thing, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. It's hard to even compare. As far as, you know, um, a cliffhanger, you know, I, I don't think they ever match Best of Both Worlds. And I think that if anything, Descent, by its very nature, feels it feels very small, you know? It's really kind of an intimate thing. Um, the biggest moment is is right at the end. You've got like the board kind of surrounding them in that little, uh, in, you know, at Laura's house. Yeah. Which, by the way, I didn't realize in my research, they only had eleven Borg outfits. That's all they had. Hmm. So all of that is you know a bunch of um, just reshooting the same extras and, and comping it all together. <laughs> um, so it wasn't an extras issue. It was a, it was the Borg outfits. <laughs> <laughs> limited um, um so it's always I, felt like a wannabe best of both worlds in a way or something i don't know um but I, i'm not trying to totally knock it i i do enjoy this episode i always remember those things i pointed out i always remember how cool it was for to, when you first see data get angry especially before you know what's going on right. you know i mean that is a really cool idea that is something that makes you want to know oh my god what's going on you know um mm-hmm. so it's not it's not bad um um, I think this, I think this might have been a more interesting mid-season two-parter than a cliffhanger. So I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, Adam. Um, yeah, I like this. I was going to say I like the stuff with Picard. Him was it Admiral Nache? I like that scene there. I mean, she kind of is that who it is? Admiral Nache? Nacheyev. Nacheyev. The actress. She does a really good job being very yeah. unlikable. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I give her credit. You really don't like the character, and that's she's not supposed to be likable. So she did her job. She earned. I remember seeing her, that actress, at a convention one year. Yeah, I have too. And and she was like smiling and stuff, but in a weird way. Like even when she smiles, <laughs> she's like this same person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want to like her. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean that stuff's that stuff's cool. Yeah, uh, they, I mean, they go into it a little bit with Picard, you know, questioning his decision from there Hugh with Riker. Bork. Yeah, from Hugh Porter. You know, they they don't spend uh, much time on it, but yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't remember. Do we do we pick much of that up in the next at one? Because I remember that Hugh comes back from Descent Part Two, mm-hmm. but I don't remember if we really address. I don't, I don't recall the no. moral implications of Picard's <laughs> choice again. Mm-hmm. No, I mean it's kind of quick. And it? I, th- I think if they leave it alone after after he has that scene with Riker in the ready room, or the, his office, they don't you know they don't really talk about it again. <clears throat> so this would be an interesting one to ask for your favorite scene because it's got so many completely different scenes. Mm. Well. I do, I do. I do like the question that Riker asked in that scene. I mean, not the question, but he said it. it I mean, it, it. It was the moral decision. You know, I like Riker, um, Ricard's response. Yeah. It was. It was the morally moral thing to do, but was it the right thing to do? You know, I like that question that he asks himself there. You know. Well, before asking for a favorite scene, I'm curious about uh, with Data saying uh, under the influence of an emotion chip or something. Regardless, you know saying that he would kill Jordy uh, to feel that pleasure again. Did that feel like too far or was it, I mean, maybe he played it the right way so that you could tell it wasn't, it wasn't being himself. I don't know. It always bugged me just a tiny bit. Well, when you put the two episodes together, it's kind of hard to, I mean, if, if you've never seen this episode and you saw it the first time, it might kind of freak you out, but it's, it's I've, we've all seen the second episode. It, makes sense to me you know you see we've seen the whole picture in a way mm-hmm. yeah i think it's so uh, yeah i can see what you're saying because it's a little outlandish in the sense that i mean obviously we see that borg uh, you know hit some button and all of a sudden data is acting strange and so you know something's up but it, it's uh, it's very artificial i mean i'm not saying that yeah. Brent Spiner p- plays it poorly or something but it's obviously so outlandish like oh yeah i'd kill my friend and i wonder if seen written and played the exact same way except Data just doesn't answer him. He doesn't say, no, I wouldn't kill him. Oh, right. But he just yeah. doesn't say anything. He just, just see the look on his face. See? He doesn't say yes or no. Brian, that's, that's, why, that. that's why you should be a director, Brian. <laughs> Producer, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they make these things so fast. I, I, I can't imagine. I, I, I work on indie film, and I, I almost never worked on television. Not really. I mean, a couple of TV spots and, you know, um, a couple of award shows when I first moved here and stuff. But for the most part, I've never really worked on episodic television. And I just can't imagine. I mean, you work on any film and usually you've got all the time in the world because they don't have any money. You want to do something fast, you got to spend money. Any film doesn't have money, so, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I just don't. You know, I, I read about even... Stuff like in Timescape, there was a, I think it was in the Companion. I don't remember which which uh, book it was in. Talking about the interior of the runabout, the the back section where they had like the fruit and stuff that had never been built, even though they were using runabout stuff from DS9. Mm-hmm. Next Gen had the money to build it, so they built it, even though they knew it, they were really building it for DS9's future use. Just to, Save mm-hmm. them some money because they'd spent all their budget already. DS9, I mean. So they built that. They had the plants and everything, but here's the point. They could only get in there to build it after a certain date, you know, because there was something, uh, some other set there they were shooting on. So they had to build that thing from scratch in like eight days. Mm. And the only way they could pull that off was to have two crews 
working around the clock, like 12 hour shifts, nonstop for eight <laughs> days, you know? And I'm just like, and that was just, that's just a normal thing. That wasn't like, oh my God, look what we did. No, they did this for every effing episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's nutty. It's freaking nutty. And that's just life on episodic television. And it was like that 25 years ago. And honestly, it's like that today, the people I know that work on these things. So I don't, I don't know how they did it. I couldn't imagine it. I really, I can't. You know, I, I, Steve, did you watch all the extras on that last disc? Because I, I always watch on the Blu-rays. You know, they put a bunch mm-hmm. of docs on the last disc. So I wait until I get to the last disc to watch them. I and, watched uh, them, but it's been a little bit since I first watched them, yeah. Well, Dave... Dave Rossi, the uh, producer, um, well, I mean, he was like associate producer, which probably means he was a, a runner on Next Gen, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember him because he was the guy that, that produced the uh, original series HD, you know, cleanup stuff. Mm. Um, and he seemed like a good guy. Uh, but anyway, he was talking about how Rick Berman, love him or hate him, that guy worked his butt off. He would work like you know, 15, 16 hour days, he would work all the day. He wouldn't even leave. He wouldn't leave. He would be either in the editing room or in his office reading or having meetings all day, every single day. <laughs> you know, we're talking seven day weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's nutty. And you just, yeah, he's, he's rich beyond our wildest dreams. <laughs> he's probably the richest guy from Star Trek outside of, you know, uh, Rod Roddenberry, <laughs> uh, but boy, he worked his butt off for twenty years, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, why am I bringing all this up? Oh, talking about you know when you something like this episode, uh, when you get down to individual moments, you're talking about they were probably writing the darn scene just a couple of days. I'm sure they were still tinkering with it right up until they were shooting it. Mm-hmm. You know. They, they they have to kind of lock the general structure maybe 10 days before because they have to have their first production meeting to decide if what sets need to be built, effects are going to have to be done, blah, blah, blah. But still, this stuff, it's so malleable right up until the time that the, the thing, final thing is cut. So you start to understand why TV is the domain of a producer, of the executive producer, as opposed to you know, film that tends to be the the auteur, the the guiding uh, light is the the director. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but on episodic television, there's so many moving parts, and there's there's so much happening so fast all the time, week in week out. You you need somebody like like Rick Berman or Michael Pillar. You know, you have to have that for there to be any sense of of cohesion for it to feel like it's this one place, you know, mm-hmm. you're watching the show. And I went off on a tangent there, but this is going to be a short episode of our podcast. So I figured we have time. Quite <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, Brian. Well, Adam, you work a lot of TV. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know what kind of, well, I mean, well, it's not like episode, you know, it's like not narrative. This is like sports television. And, you know, what we did do like a, Back our Broadway in Chicago show this morning. So I mean, uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, anybody who's worked in television, movies, or it's a lot of a lot of work, a lot of hours. Editing is incredibly time consuming. It takes forever. I don't think like you know normally like the normal person. I don't think even like people that I work with who don't edit don't quite fully understand yeah. how much is involved in the editing process. Just how long it takes just to just to go through the footage and log it and make sure. Yep looking at what you have and that's not even editing that's just 
going through the footage. So it's extremely time consuming. It doesn't surprise me at all. It took them, you know, the the ships that you were talking about to build that, um, to build the runabout. I mean, you know, because they, it's just, it's it's long time consuming work. It's very reward to me. It's very rewarding work. I would I would think you would agree with me that, on that, Brian. I mean, it's a very <laughs> fun and creative process. But at times you're just like, am I crazy? For, like working this much? I'm, I don't know. Like, That's why I don't yeah. I don't like editing because it does take. Just I mean, every, every aspect of you know of filmmaking and, and see, yeah, I you know I'm a I'm a field editor. I mean, you know, I had to put together little pieces and packs and stuff like that. Nothing. I mean, you know, the people that do like After Effects and and you know motion graphics and things like that. I'm like, you guys are. I'm, to me, they're crazy because not only are you working ridiculous amounts of hours on a project, you're doing it in a little dark room the whole time. I I would just go crazy doing that. But I mean, God love them. I mean, you know, if you just have to have that certain kind of craziness about you to want to be you know do those types of projects and they're fully on they love doing it it's just so god bless them you know if you love your job you love what you're doing whatever it is you're creating or doing then you know to me the the only thing nuttier you know at least today a lot of that kind of stuff is certainly faster than it was 20 25 years ago you know i i watch you know these next gen episodes and and i'm i I find myself thinking about post on them a lot more than I ever did before and I and yeah sure I'm uh, part of that is probably because of my job but I think part of that too is just because even for the average consumer now the post on these next gen in HD these next gen episodes in HD the post is um, something even the more average consumer is aware of because I, in a way they had to make it so <laughs> uh, for people to understand the incredible um work that was going into putting next gen out in hd you know mm-hmm. i mean they they put out marketing videos to show people this what the online process was um so th- i i see this you know and i sit we're watching like descent and i'm thinking about how much incredible amounts of work it was or timescape the only thing that's nuttier than that for me is the original series <laughs> where you had to do it all with tape and film <laughs> no 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 no, thank you. Okay, our listeners are probably annoyed that I'm, we're going off in too much of a tangent. I, uh, what is, what is, gosh. Oh, yeah. Okay, last question before what it's about. So with so many different, completely different scenes, what is your guys' favorite scene? And you can't say the poker scene because it has nothing to do with the episode and because I'm already picking it. <laughs> I kind of like the, um, when, you know, Picard and, and Riker are speaking in his ready room and he starts to get ang- he gets angry at first then kind of apologizes and talks about, you know, what he could have done and this kind of thing. And I like it because their relationships developed to that point where a captain and a commander, he can, can, he can be that way in front of Riker, you know, and it's not, you know, against protocol or decorum. You know, he's comfortable saying like you know, showing doubt and so on, you know, and that takes a long time in that kind of relationship to, to develop that ease. And it felt very real to me, those two people. Um, I'm going to have to agree with Steve because I also like that scene for what this episode could have been about instead of them spending a lot of time on the emotional thing that's not going to go anywhere in the next episode. I think they could have spent a lot more. They set that up with um, the Admiral questioning Picard and obviously the scene in there were in between him and Riker and I completely agree with Steve about that relationship and then they just kind of they just kind of drop it after that and you know you don't hear about it again for even in the next episode but I thought it was a good scene and it kind of felt like something more what the episode should have been about 
So on that note, is it about, you know, what's it about? Is it about that? No. Sounds like no. you're saying no. Mm. So what's it about? <laughs> so that's what's kind of hard to say. I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're going for an emotional theme here, but I think it's our discussion is alluded to. It's kind of, it's kind of hollow. Um, so. I mean, yeah, it could it could have you know taken at the right angle. I think they could have gone for the kind of unintended consequences, like you don't know what you know what your actions, you know what what can occur through your actions and sometimes and things like that. Um, but I, otherwise, I I just don't know. You know, they go they do they they take that trip with data and that for a while, but I don't really see how that's connected with the whole. Yeah, scope like the that, rest of it. So the moments that I love that moment when 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 Data asks Troy, "What if anger is the only emotion I'm capable of feeling? Does that make me a bad person?" I mean, that's that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it does. It's not what the episode's about. It doesn't take that anywhere, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, this might be one that's. Well, the second one's going to be better because it's a little more yeah. action-packed, and well, I was say, maybe more it's direct, there's bit, more there's more direction in the next in the next. Maybe it's episode. a little bit unfair to some of the time these these two parters. It's it's hard to. I mean, there's a reason we discuss them as one sometimes, mm -hmm. but I don't think you get that when it's a cliffhanger. People had to wait three months to watch the next one. No. <laughs> All right. Steve has two. Uh, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Six Degrees for Descent Part 1. Steve, Brian J. Cousins plays Croesus, the Borg that helps Data decide he'd be better off taking a vacation from the Enterprise. In Next Gen's fifth season, in the episode The Next Phase, he played a Romulan named Perem that, like Geordi and Ensign Rowe, was a bit out of phase. While he was trying to kill Rowe, Geordi killed him. How? Uh, I think that's the one where he uh, pushes him out of the ship. Through the wall or something. <laughs> that yeah. is correct. That's exactly what happened. Uh, Adam, in Enterprise's second season, Cousins played one of the Decret officers searching the Enterprise while its crew was in the maintenance shafts of the warp nacelles in the episode The Catwalk. Why were they there? Have I asked this before? I think it feels like I've asked this before. It's possible. I still don't know the answer. I'm <laughs> hiding. <laughs> I've, I've said this before. I've literally, I've like only seen Enterprise once all the most of the like 99 percent of the episodes i've only seen once and that was a bit over maybe 10 should, years now maybe we should uh, we watch that show but maybe we should do a show about it you know mm. Who knows? Yeah. steve what do you what do you say got the answer um why, why are I, they in catwalks oh i remember the episode generally speaking but um It was the only part that was shielded in some respect or something. That's correct. They were taking refuge from the storm in that section. That's right. Okay. Well, uh, now that would be a shutout, Adam. Yeah, I know. I got beat like the bears. <laughs> um, you guys want to do like a really brief uh, just kind of overview on season six? Sure. You know, um, it definitely has it, – it, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's probably between season six and three from my favorite season. And I thought that before we started season six. And I, I guess I'd still – I'd probably still say that. The, the the big difference being I didn't remember how much I left season three until we rewatched you know, the show uh, with the Blu-rays here. Uh, but season six, 
over, overall was as good as I remember. There were a couple of episodes I think that I disliked, I and mean, I didn't remember hating them so much, like Man of the People, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were uh, obviously, you know, as I've said, I think Chain of Command Part Two is it's probably my favorite episode of Next Gen. If it isn't, it's up in the top couple, um, you know. And there, there's so many, you know, Frame of Mind. Everybody loves Frame of Mind. Starship Mine is is a lot of fun. I really love Lessons. It's, you know, the the the, the little love story there for Picard. We don't get that sort of thing very often. Yeah, we got um, Relics. Oh yeah, Relics is this season. Relics is well, Relics is great. Yeah, I like True Q. There's a lot True of good. Q. Q- there's good Q episodes in the season. Yeah, with the uh, daughter Q. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tapestry is big. Yeah. Tapestry. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Tapestry. Tapestry is like the episode from this season that if you know if somebody can only watch one, even though Chain of Command might be my favorite, uh, Chain of Command Part Two, I would tell someone to watch Tapestry if they could only watch one. I think it's I think it's that important to the mm-hmm. show, the characters. I think it probably explains more about Picard than we learn about almost any other captain any time. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe Cisco. Um, we get some we get some kind of weird fun episode like a, a fistful of datas that was it's yeah. an episode I I think to myself I shouldn't like but I do like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the biggest surprise for me of the whole season I think was second chances mm-hmm. and liking it so much more than I remembered liking it. Yeah. You know, with uh with uh, the two Rikers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and of course I think probably our favorite episode of all time of any television is Aquiel. <laughs> yes, that's another one that I that that is uh, that I didn't remember. It was it was the dog. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they find, of course, there's a couple of cluckers. But oh, quality of life well, with yeah. the uh, exobots. Yes. Or, mm-hmm. fantastic episode. You know, so yeah, I think season six probably is. I don't know. So far, do you guys where did you guys kind of rank it from this? current viewing of next gen i think so yeah it's probably yeah. right up there i'd have to kind of review every season mm-hmm. all the episodes to give you definitively this is the best or something but there's certainly a with you know minus two or three you know clunkers but it's it's you know high consistent interesting stories you know a few a few really good ones and then and then pretty good ones up and down yeah you always you always hear people say that Next Gen seventh season was really really weak. Um, I don't we'll think it's, out. we're going to find out. That's right. Um, I don't think it's weak compared to like the first season or something. But it's it's probably part partly weak just coming out of this sixth yeah. season. Well, you know, well there are some episodes. I remember just episodes off the top of my head for the seventh season. There's the episode with um, Deanna where she goes through. She wants to be in command. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That's to me. That was it. that comes to mind. There's an episode with Ward where he's going through different time dimensions. Mm-hmm. Parallels. Yeah, I, I'm, parallels. I'm looking forward to rewatching that one. You know, obviously, um, you know, um, the last episode is sure is, is by to me one of the best episodes of the whole. Yeah, series. Yeah, that's what so. I've always said. When somebody said that they wish they'd stopped after six seasons, I've always said, I'll take uh, you know 20 terrible episodes if I if it means I get. <laughs> That's how much I love all the things. Yeah. Uh, so finally, on season six, you know what? What do you guys see as kind of the trends from this season? Um, for me, it's um, they really. I don't know. It's they kind of they lightened up a, a bit, and maybe more in the season than any other. You know, like I was saying about the episode we we're talking about today with Picard doing impressions and and things like that. I mean, those are things you wouldn't 
see maybe in season five, but I definitely don't think you'd see any stuff like that in the first four seasons. You know, they're more to me. They felt more like a family in this season, I guess, than any other so far. I'd agree with that, but and I'd also say though that there's a whole lot of weirdness. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, bizarre um, circumstances and things going down too, you know. And I don't I don't think that necessarily means running out of ideas. I think it just means okay, we've got to we get a little bit get creative here to not tell the same story we've told before, you know. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, season seven. I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, listeners, um, I'll remind you that <clears throat> we will not be back in two weeks. We're going to be back in three weeks. And that's partially because uh, if we came back in two weeks, we'd be releasing an episode on Thanksgiving. Uh, and people in North America are definitely going to be busy that day. Uh, but mostly that's not really the reason. Mostly it's because if we wait one measly week, then uh, the Season 7 Blu-rays are out and we're going to be watching kicking off season seven in high def as we've been able to enjoy all the rest of the show so uh we're gonna be back in three weeks to start next gen season seven and then a couple of weeks after that we're gonna have our holiday episode where we basically use it as an excuse to talk about lots of other stuff um which you know if you listen to us for the reviews you are welcome to skip the holiday episode i won't mind at all but if you just think that Adam and Steve are the coolest dudes ever, <laughs> then you'll want to tune in to hear our thoughts on the year's best movies and some TV shows and podcasts we listen to. We listen to. Um, and if you have any other ideas of things you'd like for us to discuss, send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com, or you can put it on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. You can even send us a tweet. That's at trekcompanion. You know, if you'd like to join us on that episode you know if we can work out the schedule you know send me an email let me know if we can get you on for a few minutes if there's something you want to talk about uh if you would just like to send an email or or record a voice message that you would like us to include on that episode feel free uh we're pretty open we just kind of have fun on that one so anyway that's not three weeks from now three weeks from now we're going to start season seven so until then thanks again for spending an hour with us uh, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.